Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Friday, everybody. number of different stories here. This one might be a little bit longer, but I first want to go back to Wednesday's episode and update one thing. And this is interesting because as soon as that Arizona State University story came out, the same day, probably, no, I don't know, four or five hours later, uh, Governor Ducey of Arizona signed an executive order essentially banning all schools from requiring vaccines, masks, and COVID tests. Now, I want to review this because it's not a bad thing. However, of course, he's still a traitor because he signed off on an illegal election. No mind that right now. Uh, But anyway, this comes from A Raising Hell on Gab, at A Raising Hell. Please uh, check her out. I follow her on Gab. And uh, we communicate back and forth from time to time. Not often, but great content, without a doubt. And they have a slight little breakdown along with the entire executive order laid out here. So I have it also on my Gab account, but I'm just going to read her summary because, again, it's solid. But at the same time, it's still Governor Ducey, which means there's some nuances here that, uh, that need to be examined. So here we go. It says, breaking, Arizona governor signs executive order banning schools from requiring vaccines, masks, COVID tests. From Phoenix, Governor Doug Ducey today issued an executive order protecting access to Arizona's public universities and community colleges for all students. Under this executive order, it says uh, students cannot be mandated to take the COVID-19 vaccine or submit COVID-19 vaccine documents. Students also cannot be mandated to be tested or wear masks in order to participate in learning. The executive order provides exemptions for students participating in medical or clinical training. I'm going to repeat that. The executive order provides exemptions for students participating in medical or clinical training, which again means maybe the opposite of what some might think. People who are still practicing medicine or clinical training are still required to wear masks. So, again, this is this is where this is where it really just gets horrible is that People, people can still, in these positions of power, so to speak, who are in, in charge of these institutions, can still practice discretion, and they can still intimidate, they can still coerce, they can still bully, they can still segregate, they can still discriminate. I mean, they, they still can do some of these things. So this isn't a clean slate like it should be, not to mention what he says here at the end is absolutely awful. But it says here, quote, it does not prevent institutions of higher learning from encouraging vaccinations, providing testing, or having voluntary mask usage consistent with guidance from the Centers for Disease Control. So this is a direct quote, again, at the end of raising, A Raising Hell's uh, summary here, quote directly from the executive order. It says, quote, the vaccine works and we encourage Arizonans to take it. But it is a choice, and we need to keep it that way, said Governor Ducey. Public education is a public right, and taxpayers are paying for it. We need to make our public universities available for students to return to learning. They have already missed out on too much learning. From K-12 to higher education, Arizona is supporting in-person learning. Unquote. 
They're supporting in-person learning, except the division that's going to take place still is going to exist. There's no avoiding it. You have, again, they've already shown their hands. The communists have already shown their hands at Arizona State University. They've already said, we were going to do this. And then some of you got upset. A great deal of you probably, but we don't care. Now the governor has signed this executive order and, well, we're still going to have our methods and we're still going to have our ways. So again, this is, this is deception 101. There's part of this that is good. However, as I even stated on Gab, he's exactly one years and three months too late with this executive order. And by the way, Governor Ducey, the vaccine does not work and you should never encourage people to take it. These quotes about the effectiveness of this are beyond me. I, uh, it's just, it's, it's maniacal to say the least. So speaking of maniacal, here's another one. And this comes from Town Hall, and I snagged this off of Sydney Powell's, uh, Sydney Powell's Telegram account, which I highly recommend you subscribe. Tons of great information there. But this is from Town Hall. And it's titled, A Group of Parents Sent Their Kids' Face Mask to a Lab for Analysis. Here's what they found. And this is from June 15th. I know what they found. Because parents did this a year ago. They did this a year ago. Maybe these parents didn't, but lots of parents did this over a year ago. And we already know the kind of bacteria that is in these masks. And it's absolutely harmful. And ridiculously horrible. So, Gainesville, Florida, June 16th, 2021, a group of parents in Gainesville, Florida, concerned about potential harms for masks, submitted six face masks for a lab, to a lab for analysis. The resulting report found that five masks were contaminated with bacteria, parasites, and fungi, including three with dangerous pathogenic and pneumonia-causing bacteria. No viruses were detected on the masks, although the test is capable of detecting viruses. The analysis detected the following 11 alarming, alarmingly dangerous pathogens on the masks. Streptococcus pneumonia, pneumonia, Microbacterium tuberculosis, uh, Necessaria meningitis, if I'm saying that right, um, let's see, Keratitis and Encephalitis. Pneumonia, bloodstream infections, meningitis, UTIs, urinary tract infection, bacteria. Uh, E. coli, there's a fun one. Causes Lyme disease, diphtheria, uh, Legionnaire's disease, um, severe infections, other bacteria that cause severe infections with high morbidity rates, and uh, Staphylococcus aureus, if I'm saying that right, meningitis or sepsis. It says, quote, half of the masks were contaminated with one or more strains of pneumonia-causing bacteria. One-third were contaminated with one or more strains of meningitis-causing bacteria. One-third were contaminated with dangerous, antibiotic-resistant bacterial pathogens. In addition, less dangerous pathogens were identified, including pathogens that can cause fever, ulcers, acne, yeast infections, strep throat, periodontal disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and more. Hip, hip, hooray. It continues. The face masks studied were new or freshly laundered before wearing and had been worn for five to eight hours 
most during in-person schooling by children aged 6 through 11. One was worn by an adult. A t-shirt worn by one of the children at school and unworn masks were were tested as controls. No pathogens were found on the controls. Proteins found on the t-shirt, for example, are not pathogenic to humans and are commonly found in hair, skin, and soil. A parent who participated in the study, Miss Amanda DeNoo, last names, uh, commented that this small sample points to a need for more research. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, parent. There's no need for more research. It already exists. We've talked about this. It's been in the literature for decades and decades and decades. They are useless. They weaken your immune system. More research. Good God. You know what we need, ladies and gentlemen? We really need more research on whether or not water is wet. I'm telling you what. Is water wet? We need more research. Trust the science. She said this, quote, We need to know what we are putting on the faces of our children each day. Masks provide a warm, moist environment for bacteria to grow. Was she born yesterday? Was this person born yesterday? Honest to God. You know, all of a sudden, I've just figured out that water's wet. It can get cold and it can get warm. I think we need more research, though. It continues, unfortunately. uh, Quote, these local parents contracted with the lab because they were concerned about the potential of contaminants on masks that their children were forced to wear all day at school, taking them on and off setting them on various surfaces, wearing them in the bathroom, etc. Last sentence here. Quote, This prompted them to send the masks to the University of Florida's mask, Mass Spectrometry Research and Education Center for Analysis. Unquote. I have I've got to tell you, I feel like I live in a parallel universe where clearly time does not exist, which I'm not, it clearly doesn't, but this is just, this, uh, I feel like I read this 20 years ago. I feel like I read it 10 years ago. Uh, And yet here we are, a a year and three months later after the fact, when, when people started throwing masks at one another and screaming at the top of their lungs, And all of the sudden, six parents think that this is a new thing? I don't get it. I really don't. Townhall.com. For the love of God, are you just, are are you, I I mean, are they repeating old stories at this point? From Scott Moorfield. This is not new. This is not new. They've always been harmful. We know that. We know that. Yikes. So... With that said, shifting gears slightly too, uh, Governor DeSantis has signed a bill into law stating that at the beginning of school days in K-12 schools and all schools, apparently, that there will be a moment of prayer or an opportunity for a moment of prayer. Now, I also said this on Gab, and I'm just going to repeat it here because it bears repeating. While I think that's a good move, and it's something that should have been in place freely all of the time, because historically speaking, 
plenty of legislators took Thomas Jefferson's words completely out of context when discussing the subject of separation of church and state. The state of affairs that we are in now with American K-12 education is not what Thomas Jefferson wanted. It was the exact opposite. He did not want the removal of God from schools. Some lunatic along the way said, well, that's what Thomas Jefferson said. So we need to make that a law. No more God in schools. The end. No, that's not what he said. That's just more false history in people who are illiterate and don't read. Um, With that said, this is going to create, unfortunately, a new level of division that people are going to see with their cell phones again. And I've consistently brought that up, how every single time there's a new trend or a new fad or something new that comes down the pipeline in American K-12 schools, it will be students who catch it on their cell phones. So mark my words, the next thing you're going to see in the state of Florida coming from the state of Florida are teachers telling students to stop praying, or students telling other students to stop praying. In schools, even with this executive order, well, I'm sorry, it's not an executive order, it's a law, but that doesn't mean people are going to follow the law, right? I mean, come on. Murder's against the law. Do people murder? They sure do. Vandalism is against the law. Are people vandals? Yes. The same thing is going to happen in in Florida schools. It will be the same thing. They can say there will always be holdouts. There will be teachers that detest it because some of them are godless morons. And and that's just the way that it's going to be. The question is, what's going to get caught on video? What's going to get caught on cell phone footage? What students are going to push back and enforce this law and say, I get to pray if I want to and you don't get to stop me? So yes, is it is it going to create division? Without a doubt. The question is, is who's going to have the spine to stand up for this law and defend it? What students are going to toughen their skin and fortify their spines when it comes to allowing this to happen? Because they should. People's metal is being tested right now. In a, at a moment in time, in a moment in our history where, previous, where, where, again, these generations that are alive right now have not had their metal tested. So, there you go. It's going to happen. You're going to catch that on cell phone footage. It's going to find its way to the internet. Just like I might add, uh, this female teacher who I'm perhaps you heard of decided to bring cupcakes to school and they, she, she uh, designed them with LGBTQ stuff all over the cupcakes and painted them with the pride colors because apparently it's pride month and all of this other stuff. And one of the students wasn't having it. And he basically just said, I want, you know, why do we have to, why why do they have to be pride cupcakes? Why can't they just be cupcakes? And then she flipped out and said, what do you want? Straight cupcakes? And he goes, yeah, I do want straight cupcakes. In fact, uh, give this audio a listen. It's rather hilarious. Oh, and by the way, she lost her job. Because she should. I care about straight people, but just because I support another thing doesn't mean I don't support straight people too. Just because I'm Mexican doesn't mean I don't also support black people, or Irish people, or ignorant people. Never said it was like that. Okay. Just said get ignored. Would you like a special unicorn cupcake for being straight jerk? Yes. All right, come here. Get a straight jerk cupcake for being a pill. I'm just trying to be annoying. You are annoying. You are 
dipstick, a butthead, a weasel, a weasel. pin in my butt. <laughs> this summer is, uh, is a cute one, and I've never seen you, so I want to give you something. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Everybody's welcome to a unicorn cupcake. I don't know. I just want to make sure there's enough for the people that wanted them. That's a perfect example of why teachers just need to be teaching. Last day of school or not. Last day of school or not. It doesn't matter. Teach them something. And then you see the, you, you can hear the, rather hear it, and can't see it, but if you've watched the video, I mean, it's just the emotional downslide that occurs with that particular teacher. It goes from hearing something that they don't like, to then shouting, to then face-to-face -face confrontation, to then name-calling. This is not an educator, and thank God they're gone. Because, again, students have a lot of power here, and they've got to, they've got to use it for, for good. The, the idea is to not catch an effective teacher actually doing their job and then making up lies. We know that that happens. We know that, that countless students and even college students have done that. And again, this could be a high school for all I know, middle school, high school. But there's a couple of other observations in this particular video that are interesting. Number one, somewhere along the line, educators seem to stop giving a damn about how they dress. This teacher is not dressed appropriately whatsoever. Not at all. There's nothing professional about the way that this person is dressed. Number two, they're masked to the bone. Full, huge mask covering their entire face. Number three, the classroom is dirty and unorganized. Like them. And again, I'm not necessarily making fun of them. I'm simply saying that the way that a classroom looks is indicative of what's in the mind of the educator. If it's chaotic, if it's unorganized, if it's dirty, that's a reflection of that educator. That means that that educator is unorganized, unprofessional, dirty, what have you. That's just the way that it is. Not to mention their irrational behavior and they go off because they've got unicorn cupcakes for, for Pride Month, I don't know. It's just a colossal waste of time. Teach them something on the last day of school. You can still teach them something. That's still possible. Now, I want to shift gears you know, to this particular subject, too, because it's kind of the same but slightly different, um, and it involves a, a different tactic that real evil teachers and evil school board members will, will actually use in an attempt to defend themselves. And it almost never works. And it always looks absolutely horrible. And as you might imagine, it creates even more division. Now, I'm going to provide just a little background here. There was a Central Illinois school board meeting that occurred uh, roughly a week ago. And a parent showed up, and it was an absolutely fantastic tirade that she went on. But she was highlighting the sexualization of students within these school environments in this district specifically with a specified book that was being used. And it's, I mean, it's absolutely horrible. Um, but now what has happened, and again, this comes from Gateway Pundit, and I'm going to play a little bit of audio here uh, regarding the follow-up. 
of this parent describing exactly what happened involving the people within that board meeting. So it's titled Central Illinois School Board Censors Parents for Speaking Out Against Sexualization of Children in School. So as I've said in the past and in past episodes, this, <laughs> I mean, the latest flavor of the month here is is countless, you know, it just involves countless parents showing up, which again is a fantastic thing and it has to happen. And, and, and yelling at the top of their lungs about the perversions that are being exposed within these districts for a variety of – and we're talking about a variety of different things, not just critical race theory, but everything that's been going on. And now these board members know that they're being filmed, and they know that parents are showing up with cell phones and recording them, and all of this is going online. Now we see more and more school districts saying, you know what, the public's not allowed to show up. Well, that breaks a, a variety of policies, as you might imagine, because they're elected officials, and by law, they have to have public, you know, the public who voted for them or didn't vote for them show up, and that has to be allowed. But unfortunately, as I've even described in the past, some people are getting arrested for just standing around outside and asking questions, which is completely unconstitutional. So in this particular case, um, this very parent who showed up to this board meeting and laid into them, in the audio of the board meeting, which I'm not going to play, but you can find it on Gab. I mean, it exists practically everywhere. But she she started to have parents and students actually attack her as she was attacking the school board. But all of this is coordinated is the point that I'm trying to make here. And you're going to hear her describe that specifically because she lays it out that this is not a new thing. And it's certainly not, I mean, it really isn't a new thing. This is something that countless school districts have been doing for quite some time, but you're going to hear her talk about it. And again, this is approximately six minutes long, but it's certainly worth it. So give this a listen. People like myself and around have gotten off of Facebook. And I noticed that you had the uh, this little note there saying that what happened before and after was posted on a, a, web, a Facebook page. Yes. So I, what I'd like to find out today is what transpired before and what transpired after the video. Start with before and tell me, start from the beginning and tell us what happened. So um, what transpired before that video, I would have to say transpired two weeks prior to that night. Okay. So there was a group of friends of, of mine that wanted uh, me to go to the board meeting with them. So we did that. Um, two weeks prior to, to Wednesday night, which I'm sorry, I don't have a calendar in front of me what that date actually was, um, end of May maybe. Um, so we went there with um, what happened to be each one of our passions. Mm -hmm. So um, one of them, their passion was unmasking the children, which you know is my passion, but it happened to be that my passion would be stop sexualizing our children. And then another parent had um, stopped teaching critical race theory to our children. Um, so all three topics were brought up um, within four, four parents that got up there and spoke in front of the board. Um, the board isn't allowed to address us. It's public comment. So they have to sit there and do what you're doing right now, you know, just to just right. shake, shake their head. But, you know, they, they don't respond. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it is a one way conversation. They hear us. They can't speak. So we said our piece. And then afterwards, the, the superintendent of that district spoke to the media. His responses to the media made us tell ourselves we will be back. 
we will bring our friends. So that's what happened that night. What they did, though, was they brought their friends to represent their viewpoints and they brought students. Right. So that's what Andrew was saying, that they they had brought students, they led them in, um, and by they meaning um, a teacher at that district let the students in, and and this is prior to the meeting starting. Um, so they were using the students as props? Yes. And, wow. and I just want to go so far as to say human shields between the board and the, and, and the, and the angry parents. Wow. It's one of the oldest Marxist tricks in the book. It, it's just, this is what Stalin called his pioneers. Stalin would call them, call those students pioneers. They're completely brainwashed. They're being used by a brainwashed teacher to defend mask-wearing, critical race theory, whatever. Any kind of a dialogue like that back and forth among adults or students or teachers or whatever in, in, a, in any board meeting is actually not allowed in most cases. And again, in most cases, board meetings are not Q&A sessions. They tend to not be unless there's some kind of a, a rollout of some ridiculous program, which usually occurs, and then there might be a Q&A. But there was really no Q&A during this. They, they just flat out hijacked the meeting. So it's certainly a interesting tactic that's being used. It's not a new tactic, but it's, it's certainly something to pay attention to in the future because I think that you're going to start seeing that in the future at these board meetings. Instead of them just being angry parents with righteous indignation and purpose and an actual reason for being there because they're starting to highlight the actual crimes and perversions that are taking place within their children's schools, you're actually going to have radical teachers now showing up in these board meetings and they're going to be bringing students. I think that I think the next level of these school board videos that we're going to start seeing are actual physical confrontations between I'm not you know I'm not advocating for this I'm just saying it's it's pretty predictable at this point that you're going to start seeing teachers and angry parents uh on opposite sides ideologically engaging in physical and verbal confrontation with one another if they don't already I think that that's going to be the next level and that's going to be the next step. So I'm going to continue with this video and we'll keep listening to what she has to say about what's happened and the tactics that were used. Board and the concerned parents who came to, to tell them that this is what we will and, and, and will not tolerate and what we do expect from you having our children. Um, they prepared themselves as we prepared ourselves, but they brought human child shields for their defense. So that's, wow. that's what happened. So the, what led up to that video, the, you know, the minute, minute and 20 seconds, I'm not, I'm not sure what you've seen, but there's four to almost, there's about five minutes prior to that video that leads up to it of me speaking. Right. So what and I did was, what's that? I said, that's what everybody wants to know. Cause you know, we're not yes. on Facebook anymore. Okay. So. And then what, what happened was, um, so so our state legislators passed a bill in the middle of the night on Memorial Day in Illinois. Wow. Um, that that if, if, if schools are going to teach the sex education, they have to teach from the national sex education standards. 
So this isn't just our, it is called comprehensive, yes, comprehensive sex education. Which means we get them young. Young as you can, get them started, let them know all about sex, and that you can pick any any type of gender, whatever you want, just throw a dart, and if that's what you want to be, then, then you are. So he's summarizing what most of what the grade level like requirements are. So I read in the first five minutes essentially what that bill is grade level requirements what right. those children what the what the teachers have to teach and what those children have to pass by 60 percent from right so um grades k through 12 national mm -hmm. standards and then the book that i brought as a prop that you know is now obviously that purple book that i'm holding that right. book actually encompasses every single thing that the, that the bill that illinois passed has on sitting on Governor Pritzker's desk right now, K through K through 12. And so it took me five minutes to get through everything that, that I wanted to say. It was a sampling from the national sex education standards. Right. So what I want to impress is that this isn't just about Illinois. This is, isn't just about this district in central Illinois that I was so passionate at. This mm -hmm. is national this is something legislators do, as we know, in the middle of the night when we're sleeping, they pass bills we don't know about, and they're pushing things down the pipe for you and your children, and you need to uh, deal with it because we're the educators and we know what's best now. That's Not right. That's right. Exactly. That's what happened prior to the video, and I got shut down. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't have a timer on me. I couldn't see a timer, but I kind of felt like it wasn't as long as other people prior to me, my friends that I gotten up and spoke who had pages and they were doing this with their pages and, you know, rifling their pages back in front. I'm like, I have one piece of paper and I'm getting shut down. My friend prior to me had three pieces of paper and then they, you know, gave her after they told her, you, you know, this needs to, your, your time's about up. They allowed her to finish. So wow. I just like, and I'm glad they did it. Because if he didn't start shutting me down, I, I I wouldn't have started ramping up like, you don't want me to say what I'm about to say. You don't want me to say it. And it just so happened that, you know, our conservative radio station had a video camera on the table that I was at and then just spliced it right at the cutter off right till the end, right where she went. Just wow. nuts about the kids. Okay. So um, that's that's exactly what you know what's going on here this is a this is a way to sexualize our children i when i read this this standards when i read these bills this tells me sexualization of children um grooming the children in the schools okay i've mentioned this before in the past too but when i was a health educator and i taught anatomy and physiology it's the it's the physiological approach that has to be taken when it comes to the business of quote unquote sex education. Okay. And, and it is an abstinence only approach. Now I took a medical approach to it. That was my angle. I took a psychological and sociological approach to it as well when I taught it. So I wasn't concerned with quote unquote standards. I wasn't concerned with, we, we certainly didn't have this in the state of Florida. There was, it wasn't, it wasn't this, we need to sexualize them. Let's teach them about, you know, masturbation and let's teach them about this, that, and the other. It, it, that, that wasn't it. And, and I would have lost my job regarding that. Um, and hopefully anybody would not in the state of Illinois. Apparently it's encouraged, but 
if a medical approach isn't taken and a medical consequence approach isn't taken, then it doesn't belong. It's that simple. It just doesn't belong. This is a subject that can be taught, but only from a medical standpoint, preferably, I would say, from someone with a medical degree. I've written about that very thing. If someone's going to teach it, I'm not against you know, a certified person such as myself, I guess, covering it. But if they're not taking, again, a medical approach or an abstinence-only approach, and then, the, and then consistently covering the consequences, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, if you're not covering those consequences, then you're advocating for it. Then you're promoting it. And that can't happen. It just can't happen. Because there are consequences for it. Uh, again, all the statistics. The younger a person is when they're sexually active, the more likely they are to be divorced. The more likely they are to have multiple sexual partners. The more likely they are to never get married. The more likely they are to uh, have multiple children out of wedlock. The more likely they are to have sexually transmitted diseases. The more likely they are to not graduate from school. The list is endless when it comes to it. But if all of those and countless others are not covered, and all they're doing is reading childhood books f from, from the ages of three through middle school um, or up to middle school that are promoting it and talking about it like it's a good thing, then those people have to be fired and, and that has to be eliminated. Unfortunately, it's Illinois. And it's probably the same way in the other states that we can guess, California, New York, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. There's a lot there. Um, and again, I've covered that subject at length on, on this podcast before, but all the more reason to homeschool because, again, that choice has to be left to the parents. Parents need to educate themselves about how to teach it to their children so that their children aren't walking around in the world not knowing the truth about things, but it's also not the role of the quote-unquote teacher to be covering those subjects in particular in elementary school, it's absurd. And you wouldn't want your math teacher in middle school or high school covering this subject. Again, you would want someone with a medical background, not an activist. And you certainly wouldn't want somebody in a school with a reputation as being the quote-unquote sex education teacher because, again, there's no such position. It's a science teacher. It's a health education teacher. It's an anatomy and physiology teacher, and those people are the ones who are typically certified to provide such instruction, but not this radicalized instruction, as I've said. I am not for that, never have been, never will be. Now, this is a rather unique update regarding this story. Interesting that this didn't happen a year ago, but now it's happening. And this comes from the Epoch Times and apparently this occurred last Friday. This decision was made last Friday, but this was just published here uh, yesterday. And it's titled, Wisconsin Supreme Court Rules Dane County's Order to Close Schools Unconstitutional. So it says, in a 4-3 decision, Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled last Friday that it's unconstitutional and violating freedom of religion for local health officials to close all public and private schools for grades 3 through 12 students last August. So, given sort of the, again, the, the writing on the wall here and the predictions that I've made based on what I know and what I'm reading and listening to and paying attention to, it's going to be interesting to see 
if these Supreme Court rulings aren't rescinded in some way, when you have countless staff members and now countless teachers all congregating with compromised immune systems from taking the jabs, all in the same environment again. If they can't staff the buildings, you can't have school. If there are endless students out because they're ill and they've all taken the jabs, you can't have school. And if they're transmitting these spike proteins to the unjabbed, they're, they're going to the unjabbed are going to be sick as well. So again, I, th- I I've you know I, I've said it a thousand times, but I think that what happened last year was simply a test run. They gave everybody masks, they forced the distancing, but no one was sick. People weren't people weren't falling over. A couple of people had flu-like symptoms. They went home. They felt fine. They came back. But again, with with schools shut down the way that they that they were last year, when nothing was really going on, now now the jabs are are showing even more ill effects. I think uh, I think it's inevitable that some of these Supreme Court decisions are going to have to be rescinded because again. They're going to have to close school for health reasons this next time around. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't see any other option. You can't keep the school open if no one's there. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting development. Speaking of interesting developments, uh, the VARES report, which I've mentioned on the podcast on numerous occasions, has reached now roughly six thousand deaths uh, regarding the COVID jabs. And as we know, the VAERS report only holds about 1% to 10% of all actual potential cases. So some basic math, if that's true, and again, if it's only holding 1% to 10%, what other cases aren't uh, being reported to VAERS? Because we know that a lot of people, again, have been dying from these jabs, and they haven't been reported correctly by their own doctors or hospitals or coroners at all. It'll just be labeled as, well, pneumonia, but who cares if they had the jabs or not? So again, if we're talking about 6,000 and only 1% to 10% of potential cases are actually making their way to VAERS, then that's 6,000 times 90 on the low end, which is 540,000 deaths. On the high end, that's 6,000 times 99 which is 594,000 deaths just from the jabs. Now, how many people die from the flu every year? How many people actually died from actual coronavirus last year? Was it that many? I mean, they inflate the numbers all of the time in the media. It's millions now. We're up to millions. We've surpassed the million mark. I don't buy that for a minute. I don't buy it for a minute. I think that this was all designed to get to the jabs. Because they knew that people would line up for the jabs. And that, again, is one of many questions that I have for hopefully Dr. Angie Farella. Um, I was fortunate enough to talk with America's Frontline Doctors booking agent, who is also a, a former nurse and a remarkably intelligent human being. Had a great conversation with them. And we've lined up a potential talk with America's Frontline Doctor, uh, Dr. Angie Farella. And hopefully that will happen sometime this weekend. It, again, it can happen anytime she's ready, anytime she's willing. Apparently they're interested in more long format discussions, which I'm all for. 
So if you have any questions for her, uh, th- there's a couple of ways that, that you can submit those questions. I, of course, as you would imagine, have a number of questions myself uh, and some of the things that I've brought up on previous episodes. But um, you can feel free and drop me a line at AmericanEducationFM at ProtonMail.com, which is my email. Again, you can send questions there. I also tossed out a message on Gab about this, and you can check out my Gab account where that message exists. That's at American Education FM on Gab. One last interesting development here before I close this out. And again, this comes from a number of different sources here. It's been on X22 Report on his Telegram and Beach Milk on Gab as well. But it reads like this. It says, this is huge. Three British airway pilots have died of the COVID vaccine in the past seven days. And British Airways is now in crisis talks with UK government about whether or not their vaccinated pilots should be allowed to fly. This presents a big problem because around 85% of all British Airway pilots have been vaccinated, unquote. Told you. I hate to say it. I mean, the writing was on the wall here. These massive industries are going to be shut down. You can't. You can't force these jabs on people. They're dropping like flies. So I'm going to play the uh, the audio here. Give this a listen. Hi, mate. Yeah, things are, things are getting crazy. Yeah, I don't know if I told you, but my friend who's a BA pilot has just told me that they've had the third <coughs> BA pilot die in the last seven days. Yeah, third pilot dead in the last week. Um, for the first two guys were in their 40s and 50s. This guy... Mid thirties, uh, perfectly fit, no underlying conditions. Gets his second jab. He's dead within days of the second jab. Same with the, exactly the same with the first two. Um, because of this, the BA are now in crisis talks with the government about whether to uh, allow vaccinated pilots to fly. The issue with that, of course, <laughs> is that about 80%, according to my friend in BA, 80-85% of the pilots have been in vaccine, well, it's not a vaccine, have been injected. Um, so, yeah, you might be down to 10 or maybe yeah, something around 10% of the pilots will be able to fly. Um, yeah, small number, eh? So that's a serious issue. Free- Ladies and gentlemen, what happens when these individuals end up flying airplanes filled with individuals who are ill? What happens to the pilots then? What happens in mid-flight when one or maybe both pilots just drop dead? This isn't going to get better. This is not going to get better. These companies... All of these different organizations and companies now, we're way past politicians. Now we're right down into individual companies and people that are operating airlines and automobiles and you name it. We've already seen the car crash of a guy who got the jabs and then ran his car in the back of a boat and almost killed a couple of guys. Now it's airplanes, potentially. Think about that. Yikes. Catch you Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.